He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. That was some of the natural sound recorded by resident Noah Nathan in the park as gunshots rang out in Alexandria, Virginia, just across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C. As I heard someone say earlier today, for folks in Ottawa, it's like going from Ottawa to Barhaven. It is a suburb of Washington, D.C. Back when I was going there on a semi-regular basis. One of my colleagues worked downtown Washington. He worked within sight of the Capitol building, but lived a few, just a few subway stops away in Alexandria. Well, there were 30-odd congressmen and senators from the Republican side participating in a baseball game earlier today. It was early this morning. Why were they out in a park at 6.30 in the morning? Well, because there's a big charity baseball game that I'm hearing just may go ahead tomorrow. And they were there because they they need to get their practice in. It's between Republicans and Democrats. Raises some $600,000 for charity. It's a great bipartisan event in Washington while all where all sides lay down arms and say, let's raise money for the folks that are needy in the United States Capitol. Great idea. And what happens? Well, somebody decides to go in and specifically target them with gunshots. Shots being fired, and there are people running, possibly victims involved. 25, I still got shots being fired. Available units for uh, four and a block of East Monroe. Yes, we have multiple calls coming in at this time. All right, that, this is natural sound from the Alexandria police scanner. This is the audio shortly after the shooting happened. Now, what, what was going on is that Republican congressmen and senators were out practicing. Steve Scalise, who was injured, and we're now seeing that it it may be critical. He underwent surgery today. He was in stable condition earlier. His condition is now being described as critical. He was out at second base when the shot started. He got hit in the hip. Another man got hit in the calf. Two of the police officers that were on site to guard people, like Congressman Steve Scalise, who is the House Majority Whip. Therefore, he's got a guard detail with him at all time because he's part of the the leadership in Congress. Well, those police officers started shooting back. If it were not for those police officers shooting back, Senator Rand Paul says it would have been a bloodbath today. This is an unreal event. Donald Trump, the president, confirmed that the suspect... The shooter, he's not the suspect anymore. He was the shooter, 66-year-old James Hodgkinson from Illinois, a Bernie Sanders campaign worker, a left-wing activist who hated Donald Trump. Trump broke the news that he had 
died earlier today. Authorities are continuing to investigate the crime, and the assailant has now died from his injuries. Bernie Sanders has said that he's sickened by today's despicable act, and I don't hold Bernie Sanders responsible for what one of his supporters did more than I hold anybody else responsible for what one of their supporters did. But I do think back to Gabby Giffords being shot and all the talk that it was due to Sarah Palin and it was due to Glenn Beck and it was due to the right-wing rhetoric. Name me someone that was shot due to the right-wing rhetoric, a politician that was shot due to the right-wing rhetoric because the man that actually shot Gabby Giffords was not a Republican. Any of his political leanings actually went to the left. He was mentally ill, but he wasn't a right-wing extremist. He wasn't part of the Tea Party, as we were told time and time again. It is the rhetoric of the right that's causing this violence. No, it wasn't. And now you've got all the rhetoric of the left shouting down Trump. And this man, James Hodgkinson, and I know lots of people are saying, I won't say his name. I will. James Hodgkinson, 66-year-old from Illinois, drove into Virginia with what would be an illegal magazine by the sounds of it, oversized capacity magazine in Virginia. He went there to target Republicans. These were assassination attempts. Make no mistake about it. They may end up being, as I see on CNN, They may end up being assassinations at the end of it. But these were assassination attempts. And what do you have right away? The first tweet that I saw about this was at 7.53. And then the news breaks on the cable news networks. I'm turning it on. I'm checking Twitter. I'm doing everything. And what am I seeing? Well, I guess they're getting what they deserve. Well, you know, they wouldn't pass gun control, so they get this. Before we even know who the shooter is, before we even know if the victims are okay, people are pushing their political agendas. We'll talk to John Lott, Dr. John Lott, the man who has written several books on this issue, the man who continues to monitor this issue and get a real perspective just after 7.30. So I encourage you to stick around for that. And if you're watching online, tune in at CFRA.com or via the iHeartRadio app. Because you will get a different perspective than you're getting from the rest of the media today who are just sitting there saying, well, I can't believe that even this won't make them pass gun control. The only reason that this was not a bloodbath, is that there were two police officers on site to guard a member of the Republican leadership. Had this, had Representative uh, Scalise not been there, how many people would have died today? Because it took about three minutes for the Alexandria police to show up. And James Hodgkinson, I don't know what kind of rifle he had with him, But what I'm told is he had a rifle and a pistol. Two Capitol Police officers were there to guard Representative Scalise. They started returning fire. That forced Hodgkinson to take cover. 
Eyewitness reports say between 50 and 70 shots. Is that accurate? We don't know. We know that these things change all the time when it comes to breaking news and eyewitness accounts. But had his security detail not been there and forced Hodgkinson to take cover, he would have been picking people off. The description that I heard from one of the people at the scene is that Scalise was standing out on second base. Think about this. He's standing out on second base practicing, practicing for a charity baseball tournament. Practicing for a charity baseball tournament to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars this year alone for the needy of the District of Columbia. And he was shot like a sitting duck. That's what it was described as. He was out there on second base. You're on second base. You're not expecting to be shot. You're just out there. And he's shot. Canadians like to look at mass shootings in the United States and say, well, this proves they need more gun control. When we talk to John Lott in about 20 minutes' time, little less than 20 minutes' time, I'll get John to go over the actual stats because everyone throws out the totality of gun violence in the United States and lumps it in with mass shootings, which isn't correct. You take out the top three counties in the United States and gun violence in the U.S. goes below the OECD average. It goes below so many countries that people think of as peaceful. Three counties dealing with drugs, urban gangs, essentially turf wars. That's the majority of gun violence in the United States. Not this, not Sandy Hook, not, a, not Columbine, not any of the other mass shootings that you can point to. And as John will point out, you can point to mass shootings in Europe in places where guns are banned. And they still happen there. Bad People will do bad things. James Hodgkinson had evil in his heart when he decided to do this. He may have been a good man at one point. I'm not going to condemn the man's entire life. I don't know him. But he obviously had evil in his heart when he decided to do this. And the reaction from far too many is going to be the same as it always is. We don't know how to stop bad guys with guns, so let's take away guns from good guys. I'm not sure how that helps. In fact, I can tell you it doesn't help. It hasn't helped in Britain. It hasn't helped in Canada. It hasn't helped anywhere that it has been tried. But it does curtail freedom. I'm not saying shooting a bunch of politicians on a baseball field equals freedom. It does not. It equals evil. And it needs to be condemned. And I will not weep a tear over James Hodgkinson slipping away from this earth today. But I will say that you don't punish people that haven't done anything wrong because of the evils of this man. Thus endeth the lesson. Coming up in just a few minutes' time, we will speak to John Lott. We'll check in with Warren Kinsella on this issue and others in the U.S. and Canada that have come up in politics this week and later in the program. A great interview that you're going to want to hear. Greg Wells is uh, 
well, he's a regular media commentator, but he's also a professor of kinesiology out of the University of Toronto who's written a book called The Ripple Effect. It is about how sleep, diet, all of these things can affect our lives and how one changes the other. But first, when we come back, we'll get to the top five stories you need to know. If you're watching on Facebook Live, wherever you are in the country, join the conversation. If you like me on Facebook, you're going to like the rest. CFRA.com or download the iHeartRadio app, Apple or Android, always free. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. Back after this. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Please. Brian Lilly's five things you need to know. Of course, number one that you need to know is the shooting in Alexandria, Virginia, just across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C. And in the House of Representatives today, well, House members were targeted, so obviously shocking to them. House Speaker Paul Ryan says members of Congress obviously horrified by this attack. We are united. We are united in our shock. We are united in our anguish. An attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. The shooter, identified as 66-year-old James T. Hodgkinson of Illinois, targeting a baseball practice of Republican members of Congress, members of the House, members of the Senate who are practicing for a charity baseball tournament set to take tomorrow, uh, set, pl- set to take place tomorrow at Nationals Baseball Stadium in Washington, D.C. $600,000 raised. Locally, the uh, one of the big stories is, of course, Mayor Watson talking about the opioid education campaign. This was a big announcement today. Yesterday, of course, we heard that all fire trucks, all fire halls in the city are equipped with naloxone, the anti-opioid drug, the, the, the drug that will help bring people back or try and help bring them back from an overdose. Well, Watson says with prom season, with festival season, the summer coming on, there needs to be a bigger education campaign because whether the city likes it or not, We've got to deal with the fact that these opioid drugs are here and wreaking havoc in our communities. Well, I'm going to leave that to Ottawa Public Health. They've given me a a brief synopsis of what they're doing. It's really trying to go and and, uh, use social media to get the message out that using uh, these kinds of drugs can be uh, very harmful to your health and, in fact, can kill you. And we've seen uh, a couple years ago the latest statistics we had, 45 people in Ottawa uh, overdosed and, and died as a result of that uh, overdosing. So the other thing we also talked about in Toronto was the need to get greater, uh, more accurate and more up-to-date uh, data from uh, the province and from the coroner. And they're working on a process that we hope we'll see some results in the next couple of uh, months where that data will be available much more quickly so we can see when spikes are happening in different parts of the province. Story number three that you need to know to be a well-informed citizen of this fine burg. It is the the story that I brought to you last night. And thanks to so many of you for sharing my uh, Facebook Live video. And I'll encourage you to do it again, whether it's on CFRA's Facebook page or my own. 
Uh, I broadcast on Facebook Live tonight on my own and then shared it to CFRA. So whichever page you follow, just click share so that people can get a different point of view. What I would say is absolutely the truth. Anyway, I talked about Justin Trudeau selling out Canada to China and not even doing a proper national security review of the company called Hytera taking over Norsat International. Hytera is a Chinese company. Norsat does business with the Coast Guard and the Pentagon. Trudeau kept saying there was a national security review before the sale was approved. Today, he changed his language. He's not calling it a review now. He's calling it an assessment. Every single transaction is subject to national security assessment. This is a multi-step assessment process, and the process was followed. Assessment. Assessment or review? There's a huge difference, and I don't think he can tell the difference. Uh, Quickly, a second union in Ontario. This is story number four. Second union in Ontario representing civil servants says the Liberal government's offered to extend their contract for four years, also with 7.5% raises. Alison Jones is with the Canadian Press. The offer to the union that represents many managers and professionals in the public service comes shortly after a similar offer was made to the Ontario Public Service Employees Union. They represent about 35,000 public servants and correctional staff. And like that offer, this tentative deal would extend the contracts past the next provincial election in June 2018. The Association of Management, Administrative and Professional Crown Employees of Ontario says the offer comes with absolutely no concessions. Alison Jones, The Canadian Press, Toronto. And story number five, Chris Neal may no longer be with the Ottawa Senators. Back to Mayor Jim Watson, who was commenting on that with Ottawa Now. He's uh, always been one of the first to show up to Roger's house and help out in that uh, cause, which is near and dear, of course, Roger Nielsen is named after, and, and at Chio. Uh, Watson hoping that whatever happens with Neil and the Senators, they'll continue to call Ottawa home. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Stick around. John Lott, Dr. John Lott, the man who knows what's going on when it comes to guns in America, will come back, will come back with us after this news break. You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. The sound of the shooting happening in Alexandria, Virginia this morning at a baseball stadium where members of Congress, Republican members of Congress, um, members of the House, members of the Senate practicing for a charity baseball tournament. Well, two things are happening here simultaneously. You've got people saying, well, this is just America. This is America. Uh, They have so much gun crime. Don't you see how many gun deaths there are each year they should just ban guns they should have more gun control and then you've got folks who are are saying well if this law was in place that law was in place things would be better i want to bring in 
John Lott right now. He is, of course, the author of many books. He's an academic. He is with the Crime Prevention Research Center. Uh, In fact, he heads it up. He's the president. He joins me on the line now. John, it's always a pleasure to speak to you because you bring a dispassionate view to this. You look at the facts. You look at what's really happening. And that's why I like bringing you in on on days like this, where unfortunately, minutes after the shooting news broke, people were pushing political agendas on all sides. Great to talk to you again, Brian. Yeah, no, I mean, within less than an hour, you had, even before we knew many of the facts that were involved, you had, you know, a lot of people from David Frum to the governor of Virginia to, you know, columnists and others going and calling for a range of different types of gun control laws, even before it would have been even remotely possible to know whether those laws would have mattered in this particular case let alone, uh, you know, kind of carefully debate whether they would be on net good or bad. The um, You mentioned David Frum, and he, he's a Canadian who's been living in the United States for probably longer than he ever lived in Canada. So he's yours now. You can you can have him. He's one of your guys. <laughs> uh, don't, don't call him a Canadian to, and dismiss him on that point. But he was out calling for changes to gun laws right away. Um, What was he calling for? What were others calling for? And would it have changed anything this morning? Well, I mean, he was calling for a range of gun control laws. He was calling for uh, gun licensing and registration, permits for people having long guns, uh, limits on magazine size, uh, background checks on the private transfer of guns. Yeah, just Um, reading his his Twitter feed now, he says... um, no restrictions on large capacity magazines, no background checks, no licensing, no registration, no permit required for concealed carry of long guns, open carry of long guns and handguns. Is that actually accurate of Virginia law? Well, I mean, you do have background checks if you go and buy a gun from a licensed dealer. He later corrected that uh, and said that he was he actually should have written background checks on on the private sale of guns, you know, if you were to get it from, like, your brother or your dad or somebody like that, whether there should be a background check on that. Um, but, I mean, it's one of these things you try to get things out within a few minutes after something happens. You know, he, it's not too surprising you make a couple mistakes. But it's just – but, you know, the thing is uh, – Laws or bills like uh, those types of background checks, President Obama kept pushing those after each of the mass public shootings that he talked about during his administration. And yet such a law, if it had been in place, wouldn't have stopped a single one of the mass public shootings that occurred during his watch or even decades before that. Uh, Hold hold on. I think a lot of people will be shocked by that because after every mass shooting, it's why can't we just have background checks? You're definitively saying that not a single one of the the mass shootings since 2000 would have been stopped by background check. Why? Well, I mean, first of all, these people in most cases were able to legally buy a gun, uh, but uh, they didn't obtain – in no cases did they obtain the guns through one of these private transfers. And, uh, you know, so it wouldn't have made any difference. I mean, they could have – you know, background checks any which way to Sunday. And if they've been legally able to go and buy a gun anyway, they'd be able to legally buy it through background checks on private transfers. But 
they simply didn't get the guns in that way. I mean, there are a couple cases where they did, but it's not the guns that they used in these attacks. They used other guns that they had bought through dealers. So in the United States, most parts of the United States, if you go to buy through a licensed gun dealer, is there a background check of some type? If you buy from a licensed dealer any place in the United States, uh, you have to go through a background check. And and what does that Uh, entail? Well, that entails you have to show some type of government-approved ID, like a driver's license or a passport or something. So the things that you're not allowed to show while voting. Right. Okay. Just so I know. (laughs) Right. No, the rules for buying a gun are much stricter than, than being able to vote. And uh, and then uh, what happens is the uh, the Justice Department, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, has a computerized database of criminal backgrounds and information on people who have been involuntarily committed uh, for mental uh, health reasons, and uh, checks your name, your information against all that things there. No, most people probably don't realize how much of a mess our background check system is. Uh, you know, we will frequently hear claims that there have been three million dangerous prohibited people that have been stopped from buying a gun because of background checks, but that's really inaccurate. What they should say is that there have been three million initial denials, and virtually all of those, something around 99% of those, were mistakes. And the reason why that's, that occurs is because when you buy a gun, you put down all sorts of information. You put down your name, put down your Social Security number, your race, your address, your birthday, and you think the government's going to use all that information when it's doing the background check. But in fact, all they use is roughly phonetically similar names. They're really just looking at your first and last name. So, you know, if you had somebody's name, John, spelled with an H, and somebody else who it's spelled with without an H, they would view that as the same first name. Or if somebody, and, and even name, though uh, you might be twenty years apart in age, vastly right. different social security numbers, you could be different races. Uh, they don't look at that. No. Oh, okay, so you're right. It, it is a mess. Uh, let me ask you about this, though, John, and you and I have talked about this many times before, and I, I think it's worth repeating, though, because so many folks in this country, plus in your country, just don't get it. They hear about a mass shooting and then they pull out the total number of shootings in the United States and say this is proof that they need to have tougher gun laws. And you've told me before it's the gun violence in the United States is actually just, well, restricted to a few small areas. Right. Well, right. I mean, there are a couple points here. One is, this last point is correct, over half the murders in the United States take place in 2% of the counties. That's 60 counties out of over 3,140 counties account for over half the murders. Um, 54% of the counties, this is for 2014, 54% 54% of the counties had zero murders, and 69% of the counties had one murder or less, uh, one, either one or zero murders. Uh, and even in those 60 counties where you have over half the murders, they're very heavily concentrated in tiny areas. You look at someplace like Los Angeles, for example, 
basically western Los Angeles and northern Los Angeles counties have county has almost no murders. Uh, almost all the murders are kind of in south central and uh, into the east. Um, you look at places like Indianapolis or uh, you know Washington D.C. You see similar things. Basically, to the the western half of Washington D.C., there's almost no murders. Uh, there's almost no murders in the south around the capital area. Uh, and Indianapolis, you know, it's probably uh, three quarters of uh, of the county where that's located have have no murders. Well, I, I, I'm looking at the map on where shootings occur in Chicago at the Chicago Tribune. Um, it's one right. of the most deadly cities for gun violence in America. 947 right. shootings so far this year. Or sorry, that's just between January 1st and May 2nd. I, I don't know why I'm back at May 2nd. I guess they haven't updated or I have to, to fix things. But 947 shootings between January 1st and May 2nd. And they've got a blue dot everywhere on the map that this happened. And it really is concentrated, not even in downtown Chicago. It's not even in the urban core. It's out towards some of the uh, the suburbs, places that I right. know but because I, I know the area. But it's, um, it is it is concentrated. Yeah, Chicago is a little bit more spread out even than most places, but it's the southern part of Chicago and uh, the western part of Chicago, where you have uh, the vast majority of the murders are, are going to be concentrated. And the thing is, the key to understand with these is that they're largely gang or drug gang-related types of uh, attacks. So when you were mentioning earlier the claim about the number of uh, mass shootings, uh, there are different types of mass shootings that out there, and the FBI tries to distinguish these, though a lot of the popular debate lumps them together, and that is the type of mass shooting like we had today in uh, in in Virginia, where the point of the shooting was simply to kill or maim people, versus the type of shooting, let's say, where you have drug gangs fighting against each other over drug turf. Both are important. Both you want to go and try to stop, but the thing is, if you just look at shootings where four or more people are killed, the vast majority of those are going to be gang or drug gang-related types of attacks. And the, and the important thing to understand is that the solutions and causes of those are dramatically different than these other types of mass public shootings. So uh, i just make something simple, and that is, let's say I could click my fingers and cause all illegal drugs to disappear from the United States and all guns. How long do you think it would be before illegal drugs started coming back in the United States? I mean, if you're in a place like El Paso, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and how long would it take for them to go and bring in the guns that they would need to protect that very valuable property? They'd be bringing them in at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like one gang can steal another gang's drugs, and that gang can go to the police and say, "Look, this other gang stole our drugs. Can you help us get them back?" <laughs> they have to essentially go and go and set up their own militaries to go and protect that valuable property. And if you think you're going to be any more successful in stopping drug gangs from from bringing in the guns that they're going to use to protect that valuable property, then you've been to stop them from bringing in illegal drugs. Good luck. Can you tell he, he has um, 
an academic and economist background as he talks about this. Speaking with John Lott, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center uh, out of the United States about the shooting in D.C. today. John, uh, there were a lot of questions put at the FBI uh, at Alexandria Police, Capitol Police today. Is this terrorism? Is this an assassination attempt? I would put this down in the assassination attempt realm for now. We'll see if that changes. Uh, CNN reporting that Representative Scalise now in critical condition. He was in stable earlier. Um, where where would you put this? Well, I suppose we'll find out more. But, uh, you know, Obviously, you go and look at this individual's Facebook page or his Twitter. He uh, felt very strongly about, uh, you know, political issues. He hated Republicans. uh, And, uh, you know, I I guess it wouldn't be surprising. I mean, one of the things that were reported was that before he started to attack, he asked the people there whether those were Republican or Democratic uh, legislators who were practicing there and when they told him it was it was Republicans, then that's when he opened up and started firing his gun. Uh, truly, a sad. you know one thing I just want yep. I want to make clear, clear that you know fortunately today we had uh, Representative Scalise, the one who you were just mentioning, is in critical condition. He was there, and the reason why I was fortunate was because he has a security detail. Uh, he's in the leadership in the House. And it was his security detail that was able to go and fire back. Otherwise, uh, the congressman and others who were there said that they would have been trapped because they essentially had a fenced-in area behind them, and there would have been no place for them to go. But the thing you have to think there was, what if the security wasn't there? And what we need to think about is allowing people like these congressmen and their aides to be able to go and carry as well as other people. See, the thing is, since they largely live in D.C. and they have to work in D.C., and Washington, D.C. really lets almost nobody get a concealed carry permit, those individuals wouldn't have had their permanent concealed handguns with them, even if they had been able to get a permit from their home states. We have over 15 million Americans that have concealed carry permits. In fact, it's, it looks like it's close to 16 million right now. And uh, But once they go and work in D.C., you know, they they're, can't they're carry alive. a gun with them. Me- meanwhile, New Hampshire, Vermont, places like that, you don't see these things happening, and, and they're some of the freest states in the Union for carrying a, a gun. Well, you don't even need a permit in those two states. Yeah. John, I got to run to a, a commercial break. Thanks for the time today, though. Great talking to you. Thanks. Do check out uh, John's work at crimeresearch.org. That's crimeresearch.org. John Lott, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back after this. is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Oh. Mm. Yeah. I'm just chewing down now. Mm. You know, somebody sent out an email 
that there were ribs left in the newsroom downstairs at CTV. And I thought, there's no way that there's still ribs left. And it went down in the commercial break while I was waiting for John Locke in the news break. And I had to sit there looking at these ribs the whole time I'm talking to John. Because by the time I got back up, I didn't have time to eat them. I still don't, but I had to chew a little bit there. You're hearing all these ads on what to do for Father's Day? There's a rib fest on in town. And a beer fest. Now, yeah, I know there's the people who are Marvel comic fans and DC comic fans. Well, in DC language... There would be a crisis crossover event. You would meld the universes and Beer Fest and Rib Fest would somehow come together. But Beer Fest is down at Lansdowne. Rib Fest is at Spark Street. Take your dad to both, I say. Elsie, uh, are you a, a Rib Fest guy? Do, do you like going for the pulled pork for the ribs? I've never been to Rib Fest, but now you've made it almost impossible to talk about what I want to talk about right now. Well, you know, the ribs, <laughs> hockey, they all go together. Oh, yeah. But I mean, come on, food. And beer as well, I'm R- sure. Right? Ribs, pulled pork. How, how, could, how have you not been to Rib Fest? You've got, I, I know they've got one. You live out in Canada. I know they yeah, got they one out there. Yeah, they did have one in Canada. I wasn't, they, I didn't go to that either. That was probably uh, my mistake too. You know, that just, we won't even, probably won't even get to talking about Chris Neal. We'll do that later on, but- if you have not had um, gone to Rib Fest, you have to go. I don't care whether it's the one on Spark Street or elsewhere. And, and you know, if you're one of these people that doesn't eat pork, well, they have chicken. They've got amazing chicken. You've, got, I just the smoky goodness. Don't don't you like smoky goodness? Don't you like good food? What's wrong with you? Well, of course, I like good food. I know you, you chicken bring in and a, ribs are two of my favorite things. You in the bring world. in a lovely lunch every day. It smells great, but come on, you you got to go have this now and again. Treat yourself, boy. <laughs> Treat your dad. That's what you should do. <laughs> yes. Take your dad to Rib Fest and then down to Lansdowne for Beer Fest. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, your dad likes beer. I'm betting. Yeah, well, he likes the odd beer. Yeah. Most dads like the odd beer, so not a bad idea. It, I, I just came up with that. I should tell my own kids, hey, you know what would be good? Yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Here's an idea. I only thought about that because um, Michael Wood sent out the email. Hey, mm. there's ribs left. I went downstairs. There were three pieces left. I, I only took two. So there's one. there might be one left if you run down in the commercial break. That's all i got to say. Okay. All right. When we come back, we'll talk with uh, with Warren Kinsella. And later on, uh, I will bring Elsie back on to talk about Chris Neal, who's going into free agency. It seems like such a shame. Really does. Uh, but we've got comments from the mayor. We've got comments from his agent. We'll talk to Elsie about that as well. Uh, sad day for the city. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. The shots being fired and there are people running, possibly victims involved. 25, I've still got shots being fired. Available units for uh, four and a block of East Monroe. Yes, we have multiple calls coming in at this time. 
And once again, the sounds of the Alexandria police scanner audio from the shooting early this morning. And Warren Kinsella joins me now. Warren, you and I disagree on on gun control, and we could talk about that at length. But before we get into that, let's start with the fact that these are a bunch of politicians out practicing for a charity event that everything I've been hearing out of of Washington, D.C., both sides take this very seriously. The Republicans play the Democrats in a charity baseball event at Washington National Stadium that raises $600,000. And somebody's out shooting at them in the middle of that while they're practicing for this great charity event that where both sides lay down arms and say, let's raise money for the needy in D.C. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty awful. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, however, um, you know, this is, I think, um, I was just looking at some statistics this afternoon about the number of times that this has happened in um, the United States. So there, there have been, the number of victims of mass shootings is almost 200 in 2017. There have been um, 958 victims, 675 injured, and 283 killed. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of debate about this man's politics. I don't even want to use his name. Uh, You know, I don't care if you're right, left, if you supported Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. Um, You know, if you use a gun to express a political We work out our differences on the floor of the legislature when it comes to politics. Yeah. And And the problem is that, in the, the U.S., um, there, you know, too many people are willing to make use of violence, you know, and guns to express their political point of view. And, um, I mean, hell, Brian, you can't even get covered these days. You can't even get on CNN unless you, you know, you get four or five victims. So, uh, you know, you know, how much coverage does the weekly violence tally in Chicago get? Yeah, exactly. You know, you're getting a couple people getting killed every single day in Chicago last year, and it barely registers. I mean, the the Chicago Tribune keeps a a decent website going with a weekend tally because they know that, well, maybe on a Monday or Tuesday it's one or two, but on the weekend it's going to be a lot more. And uh, it's a sad state of affairs. Unfortunately, I'm... I'm not sure all the people jumping up and down, pushing their political ag- uh, agendas from either side are, are actually dealing with um, uh, with what actually happened today, which is somebody who decided to uh, take a political argument and turn it violent. And you know what ticks me off? And um, I've written a column about this in the past. I reposted it today. And, you know, if... The murder of 25- and 6-year-olds at Sandy Hook um, a few years ago didn't change them. Nothing's going to change them, right? It, it, today is not going to make any difference. There's going to be something tomorrow and the day after that. Like it, I really do think, you know, the Americans used to say that you know, they have a, a gun culture. And I, I, I think that's true. I think that, that they are different from us. And, um, you know, it's part of who they and, are. And you've been open about the fact before that you're a gun owner and, yeah. and and you like shooting. And so you're not anti-gun. 
and I get that. Um, now, as my friend John Lott was just saying, uh, this guy was already in violation. This guy had driven from, I, I believe we, he drove from Illinois to Virginia. He was in violation of a bunch of Virginia state laws just by showing up. And yeah. I mean, but that didn't stop what happened today. And, and, and I think that uh, saying, well, pass this magazine limit ban and that will stop this. Uh, maybe, maybe not. It's, I think it is the culture. And uh, the United States has a different culture than us. It was born out of revolution. It was born out of violence. And, and that continues to, to be the way that, that that country operates on a much different scale than, than anywhere in, in the world. Although I will say, as, as John points out, you take out the three most violent counties where most of the gun crimes happen, and those are drug-related crimes, the U.S. gun crime stats fall way below the OECD average. And, um, and that's three counties, three counties out of the entire United States. Yeah, and, but you know, the, I guess where I'm at, and I, you know, I say this is somebody who's a longtime gun owner, and you know, I've done the course and know how to handle firearms and how to store them and all the rest of it. Um, it, you know, it's not that we've got on a percentage basis fewer crazier people, crazy people than the United States. You know, we it's just we make it harder for crazy people to get their hands on guns. Same with the UK and and other countries, and it, it that shows up in the statistics. That shows up on days like today. You really should be making it difficult for crazy people to get their hands on guns. And uh, how this great nation, because as you know, I love America and I love Americans. You, you uh, vacation how, there every year. Every year. Like, I just don't understand how they don't get it. They're so smart about so many things. I don't, I, how they do not understand this, I will never understand. Let's uh, let's turn to uh, the other big news. Before this happened this week, all eyes were on Jeff Session testifying yesterday. And what struck me is all these people, including in this country, jumping up and down and saying, why won't this guy tell us what happened in his con- private conversations with the president? And I thought, what would happen if Jerry Butts or a cabinet minister were appearing before a commons committee or a Senate committee? Do you know what they would say if they said, what did the prime minister say to you in a private meeting? None of your damn business. So Jeff Sessions telling them, I'm not going to tell you, is no different than what would happen here. But we're acting as if he is, um, you know, high and mighty and beyond reproach. Yeah, but, you know, the uh, I don't know what the, the Gerald Butts example would be. Um, but in this case, you know, they're investigating. Well, pick a cabinet minister. No, but I, what they're investigating in this case, in the real world example, what Sessions involved is a crime. And they're talking about treason, and they're talking about repeated and multiple violations of the U.S. Constitution. And um, which, which, so which I, crime, I, though? Treason. Where? Facilitating, facilitating a hostile foreign power hacking into uh, American computers, manipulating the U.S. electoral system. Which, which James Comey last week testified. No, but I'm answering your question. But James Comey testified last week. There's no evidence that a single vote was changed. Yeah, well, because he's not an electoral officer. He, no, but he did say that they're coming after us, that they had an impact. They had a significant impact, and they're coming again. 
Like, you're not seriously arguing that Russia didn't have an impact, are you? I, I'm saying that you look into it, but saying that it's treason, I think you're you're going a bit too far. And and for whatever reason, and I've been on this horse for a while, we have examples of, and I know you've tweeted about this, saying that it's wrong if it happened, it's wrong, we have to be worried about it. We've got examples of the Tides Foundation, the Oak Foundation, other foreign foundations funneling foreign money into Canada for the last election. And the Canadian media is yawning about it, and they can't stop eating up Jeff Sessions. We've got all this worry about uh, Russia colluding with the president, and you've got Trudeau handing over national security companies to China so that he can get a deal with them. And, and, and we're yawning about it. I mean, we've got our own problems in this country, and we're more worried about Jeff Sessions and Donald well, Trump. No, no, well, nobody's worried about Sessions. They're just thinking he's a damn liar. You know, and I know I've lived in Texas. And I know if you say something with a southern drawl, you're much more likely to get away with it. And they let him get away with it. He refused to answer proper questions, fair and factual questions coming from both sides uh, on the basis of a privilege that has not been. Donald Trump did not invoke executive privilege. He did not say that there are things that Jeff Sessions cannot answer. Sessions' answer repeatedly was, well, there is a privilege there. And I'm not sure what it is. I'll get back to you on that. But there may be a privilege. Like, that's not how it works, especially when you're testifying under oath. So, I mean, that was what was unusual there. But, you know, all credit to Jeff Sessions for getting away with it and being a weasel. Those congressmen, those senators, rather, should have been, you know, putting his back to the wall. But in terms of manipulation of the system in Canada, I uh, yes, there is evidence. There's uh, only a few stories that have come out about foreign entities attempting to manipulate our election federally, the last 2015 election, and that, to me, needs to be investigated, too. And I don't care if it benefits the Liberal Party. It needs to be investigated and found out who did it and prosecuted. Well, this time, the allegation is that it's left-wing American billionaires trying to make sure the Conservatives weren't elected. Next time, based on the way the rules are written now, and even the, the, the top election officials in the country have said, maybe you guys want to change this in Parliament, and the parliamentarians are yawning and looking at each other and talking about Sessions and Trump. Uh, the next time, it could be Iran. It exactly. could be you Russia. Go the other, it can go anyway. If you allow our, you know, our democracy, is, and we've seen this in the United States over the past few months, democracy is a fragile flower. It needs to be protected, and it needs to be nurtured. And if you allow hostile foreign entities, whether they are nations or, you know, dot .orgs, you know, who have sophisticated web capabilities, if you allow them to manipulate your democracy, your democracy could die. Yeah. As far as we – to just to put it back for a moment to, to Sessions and Trump and all of that, Warren, uh, you know I'm not a big Trump fan. But – yes. My my regular complaint is that the left and the media, but I repeat myself, overplay their hand. And and I want to deal in facts and not innuendo. And there's more innuendo than there is facts on the table when it comes to this. And, and that's probably my biggest complaint. So get back to me with more facts. We'll talk about it. Absolutely. It's got to be investigated. But when uh, most of the media coverage and, you know, the U.S. cable networks spend all day on this stuff and it's not 
okay, what did we learn? It's, oh, this looks bad for the president. This looks bad for the administration. Well, looks bad is not the same as breaking a law. Uh, if that was the case, we, we could point to every Canadian government in the last 30 years that would have been defeated over looks bad. No, well, listen, number one, you know, the, the lawbreaker we're talking about here is the most powerful person on earth. So that makes it a little newsworthy. You know, forgive me for defending CNN here, but this is news. This is actual news. This is at a level far beyond what we saw with Watergate when we were both kids growing up. This is a much more sophisticated uh, conspiracy to violate U.S. democracy, which, you know, matters, that number one. And, and number two, you know, I think people are watching this and paying attention to it because they realize that there's a possibility that they were duped, that, that, you know, that they were fooled, that they were tricked. And uh, they want to know the truth. And I, I think they're entitled to know the truth. And that's not just Americans. That's around the world. All right. Warren, great talking as always. We'll chat Thanks, again soon. Friend. Warren Kinsella. You can read him each and every day at warrenkinsella.com or check him out on Twitter. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. You can email me, beyondthenews at cfra.com. Uh, throw brickbats or bouquets at me. Or Warren, let me know whatever you think, beyondthenews at cfra.com. Uh, coming up in just a little bit, a kinesiology professor from U of T who has written a book called The Ripple Effect that you need to hear about. This is a guy who says... If you are not sleeping right, it's going to affect what you eat. And then when you don't eat right, it's going to affect how you sleep. And it all just spirals up. We'll talk to Greg Wells shortly. Below Beyond the News, back after this. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Get some FaceTime with Brian. Join the resistance at Facebook.com slash 580CFRA. Wrap your kids up in bubble wrap. Don't let them outside of the house ever. Don't let your kids out of the house. Kids can't be left alone ever. It's a crime when they are. Lock up the parents. Lock up the teachers. Who do these people think they are? You've heard me talk to Lenore Skenazy, America's worst mom, the the woman behind free-range parenting as a, a concept, an idea, or just what our parents did for us. Believe it or not, this is a story out of the Durham area, this small town down near Durham, which is the Oshawa area, small town called Cordis. This story comes off of DurhamRegion.com. Heard about it from uh, our friends down at News Talk 1010 because that's in their listening area. It says a Cordis family is scared about the safety of elementary school field trips after their child was left briefly with a few classmates in a public place without teacher supervision. You do not do this. You don't drive away and leave them unsupervised, said Mother Sherry Goff. Anything could have happened to those kids, and that scares me. What happened? Well, Goff's daughter, Arlene, attends a public school in Cordes. She's 12. 
She was part of a team called the Battle of the Books team competing in a reading challenge against other schools. And to get to the competition, which was held at the town public library, they they had to have a teacher drive the kids, but they, were, they didn't have enough teachers and too many kids for one trip. So what did the teacher do? All right, you bunch, you get into my car. Teacher drives the kids to the public library, leaves them in the public library. Can you think of a safer spot for a, it's a 12-year-old. Goes back, gets the other kids, returns a short time later. But the mother and grandmother are raising holy hell, saying that you can't leave 12-year-olds alone. Does this woman never leave her 12-year-old alone for anything? Going to the store, honey, back in a few. Running over to see the neighbors, honey, are you okay? Are we bubble wrapping our kids that much? Unfortunately, I think we are. This is one of the stories I want to put to you when we get to the news or when we get to phone calls after the news at 9 o'clock. Uh, coming up next, we're going to speak to uh, Dr. Greg Wells. He's got a new book out called The Ripple Effect. We'll talk to him about a whole bunch of health issues that might seem unrelated. Yeah, let's get away from the drudgery and the shooting and, and the bad news. Let's talk about improving our health with small changes. That's what we're going to talk to Dr. Greg Wells about next. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. In a world gone mad, there must be resistance. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Sounds pretty simple. If you sleep better, you'll eat better, you'll move better, you'll think better. It's kind of a, a nice little equilibrium that we can get into. But we don't always do it properly, even when we know better. Give you a quick example. Uh, today I'm at the gym and you know, I, I work late. I'm on the air late. So most days I end up sleeping in. Had a late breakfast, thought, okay, I'm going to the gym. You know what? I'll eat after. I'll have lunch after the gym. And because it was either I'm at that point where it's either eat too close to going and then you feel awful because your stomach's full and you're trying to exercise hard or eat afterwards and feel better. And I thought I'll eat afterwards and feel better. I had to stop earlier than I wanted because I was dizzy, lightheaded, dizzy, swooning in circles and saying, "Okay, enough is enough. Well, Dr. Greg Wells, who you've likely seen on CTV, you've heard him on the radio. I know he was on with uh, Todd Vander Hayden on Viewpoints here on this radio station earlier in the week. He's written a new book called The Ripple Effect, and the subtitle is Sleep Better, Eat Better, Move Better, Think Better. Sounds like pretty common sense uh, advice there, Dr. Wells, but um, <laughs> patients don't always follow it, do they? Yeah, apparently not. I mean, your story from lunch days. The perfect way to get going because the reality I mean life is what it is right and we all make mistakes we learn from them and there's a great way of doing things and there's not such a great way of doing things as you discovered but I think that the, the takeaway from all of this is that it doesn't have to be complicated and you know as a as a scientist as a professor I can make it crazy complicated and I try to in the classes that I teach but because uh, <laughs> you don't want them all getting 100 on the <laughs> exam yeah, that just isn't fun. That's just no fun when you're marking. But 
uh, you know, the point it really is that you, there are little things you can do every day to make your life completely different and way better. And, you know, you learned that lesson the hard way today. So why do you start with sleep? Why is sleep so important to eating better? I, I, I don't even understand what sleeping and eating have to do together. If I could find a way to eat while I sleep, I would. Um, <laughs> but so far, I haven't figured that out. I love starting with sleep because I've got a seven-year-old and a two-year-old at home. So I'm now entering <laughs> into the phase of life when I can actually start sleeping again, which is cool. Um, but the, what we discovered is that Everything in your body depends upon sleep. We recover and regenerate when we sleep. When you get a great night's sleep, you release a hormone called growth hormone that circulates around your body and repairs your muscles, your bones, your skin. It's like the fountain of youth. And then at the same time, you release leptin and ghrelin, which are two hormones that regulate your appetite the next day and, and also your satiety, how full you feel. So if you want to make good decisions around the foods that you eat during the day, the sleep that you've had the night before actually controls whether or not you're able to do that. So if you want to eat better, if you want to exercise more, you have to begin with sleep. And people often don't think of that when they start a diet or a new workout program. They just start changing the way that they eat when, in fact, you have to sort out sleep first. Sort out sleep, and then that will help you sort out eating. And, of course, eating, changing a diet isn't the be all and end all. You know, Tony Greco's on this program and on this station regularly likes to say, uh, owner of several gyms, including one down your way in Toronto now, he says, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. You got to change how you're living and it's all connected. 100% agree with that. It's, uh, I, you know, there's no diet that's been proven to work long term for weight loss. It's all about changing lifestyle. And I really believe in the principle of 1% gains, 1% wins which is little tiny changes that add up over an extended period of time. And on the nutrition side, we're just looking to get people to move away from the processed foods and get back towards eating real food that we recognize right. as food. And then Let, let's, talk about, let's talk about that in a minute because I'm a big believer in that because I'm cheap. Uh, but, <laughs> but when it comes to sleep, how does it yeah, – how much sleep do I need? I mean some nights – I am zonked right away. And others, even though I've been active throughout the day, the mind won't shut off or the body won't shut off and, and you're getting no sleep. What, is there a specific amount that a middle-aged dude needs? There is. Their research is really clear. We need about seven and a half hours of sleep a night to have the lowest possible risk of all-cause mortality. Sleep's actually related to how long you live. And it seems that seven and a half hours is that magic window for how much we need in order to live the longest possible life with the lowest risk of all-cause mortality. And, and so long life and super healthy if you can get between seven and eight hours. I can tell you which of my four children is going to live the longest now. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, my daughter who's seven will for sure. Yeah, my, my daughter is 13. Nothing she likes better than sleep. Don't interrupt it. It's at your peril. Okay, so let's talk about if we don't get enough sleep, and, and this might relate to something I, I spotted on social media the other day from a, a trainer that I follow, and where this trainer lived, they they weren't here because we've had good weather for the last few weeks, but uh, where they were, they said it, it's really, you know, when it's rainy and dreary and you're feeling down, uh, that, that your body will crave foods that aren't necessarily, it'll, you'll crave pizza and you'll crave fatty foods and starchy foods and is it the same sort of thing if we don't get enough sleep? Because I always find that rainy days, I'm 
I'm drowsier, I'm sleepier. Is it the same sort of thing if we're not sleeping properly, we're going to crave foods that aren't necessarily what we need? That is uh, 100% accurate. When we don't sleep well, we crave high-energy type foods, which is high fat and high high sugar. And there's good and bad carbohydrates and good and bad fat. So in those circumstances, if you've had a bad night's sleep, if you've had a rough night's sleep, it's really important to do little things like eat an amazing breakfast, make your food and take it with you so that you're not ravenously searching the junk food locations near your office for food throughout the day. It's really important just to plan your, take the little time, the little bit of time that it need that you need to, to take your food with you. And when you do that, when I do that, I have a great day. When I, when I win the morning and, and make my food and take it with me, I, I always win the day. And it's a completely different experience, especially if, if I've had a rough sleep the night before. I love your term, uh, win the morning. So, uh, in terms of eating, you said getting away from processed foods because it's better for you. I've never been a huge fan. And it's the type of thing that, you know, keep in the freezer for those nights when you're stuck. You got to feed the kids. You don't know what to do. Okay, chicken uh, chicken nuggets or something. It's a last resort go-to rather than going out to dinner, which is going to cost you a fortune and not be good for you. But for the most part, I believe in in, in eating you know, raw food that we cook ourselves, not raw food. I'm not going to just sit and eat broccoli and, and raw fish all night, but food that we, we buy and prepare and cook ourselves because it, it's much more affordable. But you're also saying, hey, forget about that, Lily, you cheapskate. It's better for you. It's way better for you. Um, it is cheaper. I love the fact that um, Brazil has recently overhauled their recommendations. They, they threw away their food guide because it wasn't working very well, kind of like our Canada food guide isn't working very well. And they came up with three recommendations. They, were, they basically said, buy and, and get food that you recognize as food, not processed. Make it yourself and then eat it with family and friends. And just simply by making those little tiny changes, their entire country is changing. I, lo- I would love for all of us to do the exact same thing. It's going to dramatically improve our health. We know that uh, 58% of Canadians right now have overweight or obesity, so we have to do things differently. It's going to reduce our risk of cancer, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, depression, but even more importantly... But I mean, the average person has to be so confused because they hear, eat low cholesterol, eat low fat, eat low sugar, eat low salt, eat the Mediterranean diet. Eat the South Beach diet. We're we're given all of these things, and often by the medical community, not just people selling books, and and you've got to sit there and say, okay, uh, what do I actually believe? What's true? Because they'll try and cancel each other out at some points. And I actually believe that in many cases, people are deliberately trying to confuse, keep people confused, that they don't make the changes. They keep buying the processed foods. If people are confused, they're not going to make changes. My I agree with you. It's extremely confusing. There's two diets that have been shown universally in most research that's been done to reduce your risk of chronic illness and improve health. And that's the Mediterranean diet and the plant-based diet. And that's great for cancer, heart disease, and a number of other things. I just recommend that people eat real food, avoid processed food, uh, reduce your, the research is quite clear about keeping your simple sugar levels as low as possible. But that doesn't mean you have to stay away from carbohydrates. There's great carbohydrates with, that are high in fiber, like sweet potato and quinoa and 
all sorts of other amazing things. It's eat real food that you recognize as food, and, and, we, and we, beat, we win 90% of the battle. And if we are using things like sugar or honey, I guess we use them sparingly as additives, not as, you know, my 13-year-old son who makes oatmeal unrecognizable if I let him. Yeah, that's exactly the idea. It's a, it's a, you can use it, but it's, you know, 5% or less of your diet should be made up of sugars. And in many cases, Canadians are 30% or above oh. sugars. So we need to make a little bit of an adjustment. If you do that, you can get some really great traction and change your life. Uh, speaking with Dr. Greg Wells, his new book is called The Ripple Effect, Sleep Better, Eat Better, Move Better, Think Better. So we've done sleep and eat better. How does this make me move better? Because, you know, getting old, I'm getting creaky. I, I, I end up with injuries. Uh, <laughs> some some mornings I wake up and wonder, can I actually stand up? And, and you know, you get moving, but it's um, how can all of this help me move better? Well, if we get a great night's sleep, it releases growth hormone, which heals your body. So if you get a great night's sleep, you're going to feel fewer of those aches and pains. We know that the type of eating that we've just been describing. Didn't you hear me? I said I go to the gym. <laughs> you used to go to the gym. Sometimes that's chatting, the reason I wake up sore. <laughs> that's exactly. Believe it or not, that's what you want because it actually makes your body stronger in the end. But uh, and we don't. The, the key thing I'm trying to tell people when it comes to moving more is that you don't need to do very much, and it doesn't have to be that hard. 85% of Canadians, 85% don't get enough physical activity to prevent a chronic disease, much even to be healthier. So there's some really cool research that shows that 15 minutes of walking a day can reduce your risk of certain types of cancers, 24 to 40%. So we don't need to do much. We've just got to be consistent. And setting the stage with sleep, great nutrition, gives you the chance to get out there and move a little bit more. So, you know, there's a Timmy's near me. It's a, a seven-minute walk away. I walk to the Timmy's. I, I get a coffee or a tea in the morning or at the e- evening after dinner, walk back. That's 15 minutes. There you go. And, you know, as long as you're not loading up with double-double uh, coffee, you should be fine. Like, you get a, yeah. a green as long as I don't get like a cruller and uh, <laughs> six sugars in my – yeah. Don't, don't do yourself in it. I used to be a barista, and I remember people ordering skim milk lattes with extra whipped cream and thinking, why – yeah, but any so all of these things, this is what the ripple effect is about, is that sleep leads to better eating, leads to better movement, leads to better thinking. So all in all, how did you come about with um, with writing this book, with coming up with this as as a way to to make Canadians feel better? I mean, you've had health issues of your own, I understand. Yeah. So um, I was a former competitive swimmer growing up and you know, heavily into training and I was then into cycling and then I'm a kinesiology prof. And about five or six years ago, I was getting ready to go commentate the Olympics for CTV, launching my first book. We had a two-year-old at home. We were moving houses. My wife was finishing grad school. I was changing jobs at the university. Like, it was just a total, complete and utter train wreck. And I got really run down. And Ingrid, my daughter, went to daycare and picked up a cold. And I got the cold. And I was so run down that the virus went straight into my heart and inflamed my heart. I ended up in the Toronto General Cardiac Ward, where I actually work from time to time, so it was super embarrassing. (laughs) Hey, don't we recognize you? Yes, while you're lying in bed, you're not supposed to be doing that. But anyway, um, and then I began to do research on how to get out and never come back, and as a patient, anyway. 
and discovered that I began with sleep. And it was because the alarms were waking me up all night in the hospital. And I couldn't sleep. And then the next day they brought in food. And I realized that the foods that they were serving us were causing the heart disease that so many of the people around me had. And then I began to train again when I got out of the hospital and immediately registered for Ironman, which I managed to complete one year later by applying all of these principles. So I figured that if I could completely overhaul my life by doing what I had just done in that year, that I could help so many other people as well, hence the book and trying to address some of these major challenges that so many Canadians are faced with right now. Speaking with Dr. Greg Wells, uh, his first book um, is Super Bodies, Peak Performance Secrets from the World's Best Athletes. That's probably not the one you want to read. You want to check out the ripple effects, sleep better, eat better, move better, think better, because I think that's more aimed at most of us. Accurate? Yeah, the first book, absolutely. The first book was written right after the, uh, I wrote it between the 2010 and 2012 Olympics, which I commentated for CTV, and we built the series. Uh, Super Bodies, which was amazing, which you know went over really well, and that was all about elite sports. And then I've I really, recall that it was so much fun, one of the coolest things I'll ever do. And then it's, we've subsequently sort of shifted our focus from working with elite athletes to taking what we've learned from elite athletes and helping everyone in the country and ultimately the world. I, I want to solve a billion-person problem in my lifetime, which is sleeplessness, obesity, physical inactivity, and mental illness. And uh, I think this book is. I'm trying to do it through through this beginning with this book and and so far so good all right well i'm gonna i'm going to try and take your advice doctor but like dr dworkin who's in here on a regular basis giving me health advice i won't always follow it exactly but uh i I will uh, i will check out what you have to say thanks so much oh my pleasure thank you for having me on your show it's great all right dr greg wells the ripple effect is the name of the book you can find at any bookstore in town or of course online amazon.ca i'm brian Lilly. this is beyond the news if you're going to go to sleep wait until 10.01 though 10.01 after after i'm off the air some days the resistance verges on rebellion beyond the news with brian Lilly, news talk 580 cfra So it was a while ago, I was about an hour ago, I said, okay, Elsie, let's talk hockey. And then I got so into hockey or so into talking about ribs, we didn't talk hockey, but I did get rib sauce on my shirt. <laughs> uh, we're on radio, thankfully, so you can't, you don't have to look at it. Uh, but as far as hockey goes, of course, Chris Neal, he's going into free agency. The senator's not looking to re-sign him and Mayor Watson, among the many people in this city, worried and and upset about that. He's been a great uh, member of the community, and, um, you know, obviously he'd like to go on playing hockey, and if he does, maybe he'll keep this as his home base. I would hope so. Elsie, what are you thinking about uh, Chris Neal leaving? I mean, this guy's a solid player. He wants to stick around, wants to retire with the Sens. Why not? Well, if he was going to retire with the Ottawa Senators, then you would have then it would have to be in a reduced role because you look at the regulars that they have um, up front on forwards. You have Mark Stone, Mike Hoffman, Kyle Tourist, Zach Smith, Jean Gabriel Pajot who had a huge playoffs. Bobby Ryan who had a huge playoffs. Um, big game brass Derek Broussard who um, had a monster first round against the Bruins and uh, really started to um, impress as uh, the season went along. And then you look at the additions that they made in the bottom six. You had Tom Pyatt and Chris Kelly at the beginning of the year. Then Ryan DeZingle makes an impact. They get Tommy Wingles in a trade with the Sharks. They get Burroughs, obviously, at the deadline. They get Stahlberg at the deadline. And then eventually, they're going to have Colin White 
coming up and playing full-time in the NHL. And then you look at the subtractions. Matt Pumple was given multiple opportunities in the past to impress. He was a former multi-30-goal scorer in the Ontario Hockey League, and he was cut by the team. And then you look at Curtis Lazar, who a few years ago was a first-round draft pick, and he gets traded to the Calgary Flames at the deadline. And after that trade happened, you slowly but surely um, saw Chris Neal's ice time decline. And if you brought him back for another year, I don't think you would have gotten to see him play, which which, which is why um, Todd Reynolds, his agent, he was asked about this on uh, TSN 1200's The Drive. He was asked, do you think Chris Neal is still an everyday NHLer? And here's what he had to say. He controls his space as well as anybody in the league. He still gets around the ice very well. Uh, I don't think there's a question of whether or not there's a one-way offer out there for him. I think it's going to be about the, the role that he will play and the fit for he and Kate and, and the family. And he was also asked, does um, the need of winning a Stanley Cup play into a factor? And he mentioned, well... Nashville kind of just went to the finals, and the Sens went to the Eastern Conference finals and came one goal, one shot away from going to the Stanley Cup yep. finals. So I think it's more about playing time here more than anything, and he wasn't going to get it here. Uh, it, it, it's it's sad when it ends like this. Uh, yeah. He's 37. He's got a good few years left. Tom Brady's how old? 40, I think. 40, and Henry Burris didn't retire until after he was past 41, and... Well, now he works here. So maybe we can hire Chris Neal when it's all done. Elsie, yeah. thanks so much. You're uh, 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. We'll give out those numbers again when we come back, along with a lot of topics for you to call in on. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five star five eighty on Bell Mobility or one eight hundred five eight zero CFRA. Of course, the big news today is the shooting in Virginia. Now, some people, well, one person, is upset with me and called into the newsroom to complain about my opening rant where I said we don't need more gun control laws to stop things like this. We need less hate. And bring in whatever gun control law you want, it wouldn't stop what happened this morning. That's not what they took issue with. They took issue with the fact that I called it a stadium and not a park. It's a park, not a stadium. And then they hung up. The full name of the shooting location, by the way, is Eugene Simpson Stadium Park. Let's stay focused on the big issues, folks. If you want to stay focused on the big issues, then I invite your call. If you want to bicker over the name of the shooting location, uh, go call somewhere else. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. The latest is that President Donald Trump is visiting the hospital where the wounded member of Congress, Steve Solis, is being treated the latest that we have, he's in, um, uh, last I saw, that he's in 
critical condition. I want to go to CNN right now. Uh, Representative Barry Loudermilk, Republican from Georgia, who was on the baseball team, was a witness to all that happened, is speaking with Anderson Cooper. Let's listen in. And did he seem calm? He was calm, collected. He just walked out there with a handgun. He pointed it at the police officers. Uh, He took a shot. Uh, the Capitol Police officer told him to drop the weapon, drop the weapon. Uh, the Alexander police officers that were there at that point were also telling him he had taken a couple of shots at them with a rifle, uh, fortunately missed. Um, he shot a couple more times at the Capitol Police officer, and then that's when the Capitol Police officer took him down. I saw him go down at that wow. point. And, and he was then taken to the hospital. That's And we understand that's where, where he, he expired. What and what, what did you do after he was down? Well, as soon as he was down, we weren't sure if there was another shooter or not. But I ran up to, to where the Capitol Police officer that was shot and uh, Matt were laying, uh, checked on Matt. He was in really bad condition. He had bled a lot. Uh, of course, I could see the chest wound. I looked at her. I could tell you, you could see her ankle was shot pretty bad, but she wasn't critical. Um, I asked if they had a medical kit, and she said they had one in the back. So I... Got the medical kit. I was looking for something, clot stop or something for Matt. By the time I got over there, EMTs who had been, I mean, they were up on the street and unable to get down there with the fire. They were there for Matt, um, so I let them take over. I didn't know Scalise had been hit till somebody told me that, uh, that Steve was on the field hit. I saw Brad Winstrup out there, and so I ran the, uh, the medical kit out to Brad and uh, gave it to him. Then when I turned... Uh, this is uh, Representative Barry Loudermilk, a Republican from Georgia, talking about the shooting this morning. It was an eyewitness. And when you hear him talking about Matt, he's talking about 38-year-old Matt Mika. He was part of the team. This was a team of 30 to 34. They're unsure exactly, at last count, how many people were there when the shooting happened because practice was going on and as some people had gone through their roles would leave this all for a charity baseball match supposed to happen tomorrow at the park for the Washington Nationals raises about $600,000 a year. They more than 600,000 is what they expect to gross this year to help the needy of DC, a bipartisan effort, Republicans versus Democrats, both sides take it seriously. They practice And they practice outside of office hours. That's why they're at the park at 6.15 in the morning for a practice that starts at 6.30. And this shooting happening. Matt Mika was a former congressional staff member. He's currently the director of government relations for the Washington office of Tyson Foods, one of the big food conglomerates. If you've got thoughts on the shooting, happy to take your call. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or one 800 580 CFRA, maybe you want to go in a different direction tonight. And one of the stories that I threw out there, you know, was this idea that parents are upset that 12-year-olds were left alone at a public library on a school field trip. Now, what's the school field trip? It was to go and participate in a Battle of the Books competition. They didn't have enough drivers for all of the students that wanted to participate. This is down in Durham region, a small town called Cordes. So there's one teacher driving all the students. So they said, okay, we're going to take one group. I'll drop you at the library, come back, pick up the other, take them there. These are 12-year-olds. And the mother of a 12-year-old named Arlene is complaining, saying, You don't do this. You don't drive away and leave them unsupervised. Anything could have happened to those kids, and that scares me. 
they were dropped off at the public library, the site of the competition. Are we really bubble wrapping our kids that much that 12-year-olds can't go to the public library? My kids have been going to the library on their own since before they were 12. They go to the store on their own. They go to buy, you know, I want a slice of pizza. Well, I'm not taking you. Okay, they go. I want to go to Timmy's. I want to Jamie obsessed with steak paninis. All right, you go. I'm I'm not taking you. You got money? Go go buy a steak panini. I don't care. You can leave kids alone on their own legally in Ontario at age 10. At age 12, you can take the babysitting course and look after younger children. But this mother and grandmother of this 12-year-old in court says you can't leave a 12-year-old alone. Bad things could happen. Is that really where we're at? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'd love to hear from parents on this bubble wrapping idea as well. Do you leave your kids alone at 12? I'm not talking all day, all night, but do you leave them alone at all? How long does it take to go to the uh, back to the school and come back? Really? Give me a break. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Beyond the news at CFRA.com. Back after this. To you, he's rebellious. To official Ottawa, he's disdainfully insubordinate. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Said it before, I'll say it again. Fire is one of the things that uh, truly terrorizes me. And seeing just after the show ended last night this Fire in London, Grenfell Tower, 70 injured, at least 12 dead. That's expected to rise. 24-story building, apartment high-rise tower going up in flames. Can you imagine? In the middle of the night, you're sleeping, and that happens. Ah, It just... Gives me the creeps. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. Mike in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Hi. I just wanted to talk about what happened down the, down in the States there in Virginia. Mm-hmm. You know what amazes me is that it has, this hasn't happened sooner with what's been going on in the news media in the last two, uh, since uh, 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 Donald Trump got elected as president. Uh, the... the uh, the neg- negativity, the, uh, the it's just and the whistle attacks and the innuendos and uh, and the, the the accusations of treason and collusion with with foreign powers and uh, money laundering and everything else. It just amazes me that the, you know it just amazes me that this isn't happening more frequently. And you know when I hold the. I've been listening to the media up here, and they're not so uh, when they're reporting a lot of this stuff. They're playing along with a lot of this stuff. And uh, with the Comey's last uh, testified, a lot of these so-called anonymous uh, leaks and everything else are basically fake news. Or they came directly from James Comey. Or they, which I believe they did. I believe what's been happening the last two to three months is an orchestrated attempt to basically 
get Trump out of office. And there you know, is- uh, I was talking with John Lott earlier, and he, um, we were talking about the whole gun issue, and, and he mentioned how David Frum, a uh, Canadian journalist um, who l- has lived in the United States since the 80s, since the Reagan years, Right, and he had tweeted out a bunch of stuff, and so I went on David's Twitter feed to find it, and he's got a pinned tweet at the top from May nineteenth. He said, "Once you realize that deep state is code for the rule of law, you can translate their gibberish into something more like English." Because Trump supporters keep saying, "Well, the deep state's trying to shut Trump down," and right. it, with these leaks, and then you find out that it's James Bloody Comey that's leaking. Uh, so David Trump might want to revise his his tweets on this as well, like he did on the gun thing. But I'll tell you this, Mike. I agree with you on many points, including the fact that the media is pushing a bad narrative. And and, I, but I, I, I do not say that I'm going to hold them responsible for this shooting, just as I did not because I've been around long enough to have covered the shooting of Gabby Giffords. And all the attention then was pointed at – Sarah Palin and Glenn Beck and the Tea Party. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. They didn't advocate violence. As, as much as um, you, know, you can point to CNN and MSLSD or MSNBC, whatever you want to call them, and, and the New York Times, they're negative on President Trump, but they're not advocating violence. Uh, no, but uh, when we have these riots in the universe and everything else, they're not condoning the violence they're basically they're they're by saying nothing they're condoning what's going on. I, I agree with you. That you you want to blame the the antifa types and and people that are participating in violence for creating this climate. That's one thing, but to blame people that are not advocating violence for the violence, I I don't think that's I didn't think it was fair when it was blaming the right, and so I, I'm just not going to think that it's fair in blaming the left even though I completely disagree with them on these issues. Yes, uh, you know, and I understand where you're coming from, but at what point, and, and you, at what point do the media has a responsibility to be fair and balanced? I'm sure you agree with me with that. And at what point are they going to accept responsibility by creating the environment? And, and, you, and I agree with what you're saying, by creating the environment that's going on right now, Let's be honest about it. There's a lot of people there are not firing on all cylinders, right? And we don't need to be going out of our way to fire up people that are not firing on all cylinders. I, um, I, I'd like you to find me a media outlet that is fair and balanced, that is not doesn't have a political stripe or the other. I've worked in newsrooms, in radio, in television, in print. I've worked in them in Toronto, in Montreal, in Ottawa. I've visited newsrooms where I've been responsible for content in other cities across the country. You know what, Mike? They are almost – most journalists are left-wing. They don't even realize it. They think they're neutral. Yeah. They think all liberal arguments are neutral. They they don't see that they have their own bias, that they have their own um, agenda creeping through. And they'll tell you that they're being neutral – and I've heard this in some of the commentary today. Well, you know, a lot of people are pushing their agendas already on this shooting, but I can't believe that it hasn't you know, resulted in more calls for gun control. Uh, that's not an agenda? That's not a bias? Yeah. 
I, I, I understand. Everybody has, you know, I understand what you're saying. Everybody has their bias. But we don't, what I'm trying to say is that, uh, you know, when you get to the point where you're actually accusing people of treason with no evidence at all, you know, like, I don't know, if I was a public service, and, you know, and I'm going to go with uh, the, the, the attorney general who served in the Senate for 35 years, they're accusing a man, you know, with the innuendo of being basically committing an act of treason. A treason, a, a and, traitor, yeah. Yeah, uh, selling his country out, everything else. You know, at what point, and, and based on no evidence at all, which I find amazing, it's just innuendos in these so-called... Well, you met with them. Yeah. Um, well, I was a senator, and he, as Jeff Sessions pointed out, he met with the Ukrainian ambassador the day before he met with the Russian ambassador. Yeah, and, and he met the guy with uh, the so-called third meeting. He met, he met him with there was so close to something like 50 or 60 people in the room. If he's going to do something illegal, it's going to be behind, behind closed doors and everything else where nobody's going to see what's going on. So, you know, that's what I'm saying is, like, if you want to report your point of view, you at least have the decency to well, do it with based on facts and these so-called you, anonymous sources, which are basically, which you, which I agree with you, which I think is going to come out are from Comey, but we're not at that point yet approving you, that. You listen to my show, Mike. What you get is my opinion, backed up by facts. Right but on. you're getting my opinion, and uh, what I don't like is when people say I'm not going to give you my opinion. And they give you their opinion, and they don't back it up with facts. Yeah. That's what I don't like. I, I had a, a wise man once say to me, uh, everyone has their bias, and if you don't have a bias, you're not breathing. But yeah. can you be objective? That was their question to me when hiring me as a reporter, where yeah. I wasn't supposed to give my opinion. Can you be objective? And I said yes, and I proved myself in that role, and that led to me being moving up the food chain and, and, and being in roles like this now. i got to run. We're up against the spot break and then the news, but thanks for the call, Mike. No problem. Bye now. 521 Talk, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. You can agree with me or disagree with me. Mike agreed with me on some points, disagreed with me on others, but we're going to have a good conversation here. So why not call in? Back after this. Starts with a rebel. Beyond the news with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. I can only imagine the horror being out on a baseball field. You've got a fence behind you. You've got fences in front of you. You, It's one of these baseball fields that's done professionally. They've got the whole, you know, the the back end is set up with a fence. The first and third baseline set up with a fence. you got the dugouts. You're in the middle of that and somebody's shooting at you with a rifle. That's what members of Congress... Members of the Senate from the Republicans were facing early this morning as they were prepping for a charity baseball game. 
can't imagine what that's like. Terrifying. And and some of these guys were were doctors. I'm sure some of them were veterans. Many of them shooters themselves. They recognized the sound. They knew what was going on. And still, <clears throat> five two one talk five two one eight two five five. Let's go to Dave in Ottawa calling in on the Virginia shooting. Dave. Yeah, you, you talk about being on the wrong side of a shooting gallery. Yeah, well, I mean, Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, was on CNN. I saw him this morning, and and he said, thank God that uh, Congressman Steve Solis, who's the House Majority Whip, so he's part of the the House leadership, therefore he's got a security detail. He said, thank God they were there. Otherwise, there'd have been nobody. He said, you know, it would have been a massacre because they had nowhere to go. And and this guy would have faced off against nobody. But listen, I, I was tending to fall more to where the first caller, Mike, is, that it, it's only a matter of time with the kind of vitriol and rhetoric and, and pure hatred that we've talked about here before, you know, against Trump and against, you know, conservatism in general. I mean, it, it happens here in Canada. You know, the, the, the way they picked on and tried to lawyer up against uh, Harper you know, the, 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 that same kind of thing. It's not to the same extent as the state. So it's only a matter of time before some loose cannon who's a little less stable is going to do the wrong thing. It's less like an abortion clinic. I mean, not, not all pro-lifers are going to set bombs in front of abortion clinics. Let's face it, people, normal people don't do that. But weak minds who are the recipient of so much rhetoric can make bad decisions. Look, I, I'm going to admit that there are people on the fringe, on both sides, on the left and the right. But I don't think that – and this is what was my quibble, not an argument, but a quibble with Mike, is that you can't blame the media as a whole. You can't blame MSNBC or CNN for pushing people like this. You know, maybe he's on – and we'll find out. Maybe he's on some um, – far-left conspiracy websites, and, and those exist on the right as well. Well, if you listen to what they said about him already, he's been a loose cannon. He's been involved in shooting incidents at his house. He's been involved in, in assault uh, charges before they were dropped or not pursued or whatever. I mean, this guy, from what they found out so far, has got a history of, of being something more of a loose cannon. Well, if that's the case, then maybe this is the type of guy that shouldn't have a gun. Well, exactly, we don't yeah. know. At, this, at least at this point, I don't know. We'll find out soon if maybe it's come across the wire since I've gone on air. But we don't know how he obtained his firearm. Uh, I, again, I, I think the rhetoric has to, has to be pulled back on both sides. And I think maybe this is the kind of incident that will pursue or persuade the, the people on both sides to don't dig in so deep with the rhetoric. It's not good. I mean, have your opinion, yes, but don't fill your opinion with hate. And on that, I'm going to agree with you, Dave, because, look, you hear me discuss these issues with Warren Kinsella, and you know that I disagree with Warren. But there's never a hateful word out of you, Brian. Or, or from him. We we push back and forth against each other with respect. I can tell you I don't like the liberals. I never, I've never told you I hate them. Yeah. One quick thing before we go. The 12-year-olds left in the library. My gosh, if you know what I was doing when I was 12 years old, I'll give you one quick example. We used to go to boring practicing a crowd from the neighborhood, 11, 12, 13-year-old boys. And it was about two and a half, three miles away from home. So we'd hitchhike, and we'd walk, and take an hour and a half to walk, or an hour to walk back, whatever, and we'd hitchhike sometimes. This guy worked in the park, had a little tag along like a garden trailer behind his car. 
and he'd load that thing up with kids on the way into the park because he knew where we were all going. He was carrying towels by our sides and stuff, and he'd bring us all right to the park. And, you know, can you imagine today going out the street s- in, a, in a tag-along garden trailer full of kids? Somebody would get arrested. <laughs> so, you know, my gosh, just the things that I did as a, as a kid and stuff like that, my God, and it didn't hurt me that much. Now, well, well, I, the only one I fell on my head, that's all. I, uh, I just used to go to exploring, and, um, you know, my kids will do that sometimes, but not to the gr- degree that I did. But I had friends that would go out and explore with me because that's just all we had to do. And, yeah, they they, they fight against that. I mean, they have their own predilections for going on the computer and playing video games or watching YouTube. And, and those are things that we just didn't have. I mean, Saturday morning cartoons were on Saturday morning. Yeah, what do you do the rest of the weekend? Exactly. <laughs> you know, they, they finished at 11. They started at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. They finished at 11. You had to figure out something to do with the rest of your weekend. Well, you had so, to figure out what to time. do in the summer. We'd go to that park every single day. We, we'd have our 15 cents. We'd buy a Coke and a bag of chips. And we'd, 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 sometimes yeah. we'd, we'd go down but, to the bottom of town and walk the railroad track. So you don't have park. a problem with this teacher dropping off one group of kids, going back, picking up the others, at the public library it, where the event's happening. We're, we're, and you think libraries have supervised people in them? No, I had no, no trouble at all. She didn't no. leave them in the middle of a forest somewhere. <laughs> well, and that I might have trouble with. Thanks for the Take call, care. Dave. Five to one talk, five to one eight two five five. Taz in Ottawa calling in about the shooting. Yes, uh, Brian, I'm not going to say that on some things I agree or on most things I agree. On this one, I'm not so, so sure. Uh, the last caller was very interesting to listen to that, you know, he had histories and that kind of stuff. The one before, Mike, talked about how the media can fuel that type of, uh, you know, anger. I'm thinking of Rachel Maddow. Uh, you're familiar with her. I am. Uh, CNN and how... She, she's on MSNBC. Yes, exactly. And there's a couple of others uh, on CNN. I don't know who uh, uh, Don Lemon is awful, but I, I don't yeah. think, you know, I watched Don Lemon. I, I don't think he incites hate. He's awful, but I don't think he incites hate. It's interesting you say this because a Republican says that the media needs to be more civil, that, the, you know, we need to, you know, cut this, this, cut this stuff out. And I think it's talking about Rachel Maddow, Don Lennon, Lennon, Lemon, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I guess the other guy from MSNBC, there's another few other people there. Then, of course, you got the Young Turks, but then what the hell, who cares about that? <laughs> because they're obviously on uh, Jupiter or some side there. Um, so he, I, I think that, uh, you know, the Mike, that guy, I, I think he, he's onto something. If, if the Republican says, look, you guys need to chill out here, you guys need to come, you know, and then talking about coming together, inviting Democrats. And then what I get upset and I'm going to tell you this, I'm hearing uh, Don Martin, a Canadian of CTV, Canadian media, yeah. mass media, socialism, God knows what, uh, you know, saying, well, you know what, uh, you know what he says? He says that, well, we heard about Democrats getting death threats. I bet you there's more death threats going to the Republicans with all the media stuff going on. But he says, well, the Democrats are getting it, uh, some of it, too. Now, who the hell is Don Martin? Is he an enforcer? Is he the equalizer? Who the hell is he trying to play? I, there was one Democrat that came out saying they got a death threat. I denounce that as strongly as against the Democrat as I do against the Republican. Um, sorry, you're saying that one Democrat had a death threat? Today. 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 And that's somewhat news when 
I bet you uh, Republicans get desperate for you know what's going on, especially with the media. I don't, I don't want, but I don't want, and Saz, I don't want any politicians getting death threats. I understand politics. You know, we set up these legislatures, we set up our parliaments. Do you know the the distance between the government benches and the opposition benches in a Westminster parliamentary system? Do you know how far apart it is? I don't. Two sword lengths. Well, on purpose, right? Because they used to come in armed. Keep them far enough away that you can't stab the other guy. It's right. designed so that we settle our differences civilly and peacefully. And, yeah. and, and, and that's what politics – that's why we, we gravitated to politics away from just shooting and killing each other. You know, I, I agree and I, I know what you're saying. I just think that the media sometimes – uh, I, I believe that you know they they get out of how con- about they get out of control, but they lose. Uh, what, like you said, they're, oh, they they're they not- lose perspective completely. I agree. I agree. I mean, it, it, but he was playing an equalizer. I, I think he was doing a very bad disservice there. He was trying to be the equalizer there, and I think uh, people should see what he really well, is and expose uh, him for what he really is. I know that. You know, I, huh. I, I I'm going to do a cop out. And not because Don and I work for the same parent company, but because I didn't see it. Oh, dear. Conflict of interest? <laughs> well, no, I just didn't see it. Okay, well, I so saw I, it. Yeah, I... I can't comment. I can look at it later and comment, but I haven't seen it yet. So, you know, I... it's like, you know, I'm willing to comment on Don Lemon because I watch him on a regular basis. I don't watch Don all the time. Right, uh, and, I... and Don Lemon's crazy and he's off the rails, but, you know, that's different than, than inciting violence. Thanks for the call, Tess. No problem. Uh, let's go to uh, next call. Go to uh, Emily. Emily in Nepean. You're on Beyond the News. Oh, hi, Brian. Um, I just had to call in because I agree with uh, most of those callers that called in about the media um, kind of taking it to the extreme. They seem to, um, there seems to be like a feeding frenzy just to see who can, you know, up with the other as far as uh, accuse, accusations, uh, you know, for the Trump administration. And I was really shocked when I heard uh, Warren Kinsella saying that, you know, treason was uh, what they what they should be charging him with. Wow, uh, yeah. You, so I called Warren on that. I'm like, <laughs> well, treason for what? I know. Well, there's no facts. See, the whole thing is there's no facts. And I, I, and I totally agree with this fake news idea because it, it's oh. it's true. Emily, what, time... what do liberals base their policy and, their, and everything on? Feelings. Feelings. That's Nothing true. No more facts. than yes. feelings. Yes. And I think... When we want to, you know, we we want justice to be done, but we want it to do want it to be done with the facts, not with uh, some fake ideas that they they come up with, you know. And they're and they're just going they're going bananas in the states trying to just find a way that they can get rid of Trump because they're still so upset about uh, Hillary not winning. And this is what I talk about on a regular basis, that it's lawfare, that it's an attempt to shut down his agenda, all right. of that. Absolutely, right. it's all right. of that. Right. Um, but, 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 I'm not willing to say that I've heard anything from mainstream media anyway. I haven't heard anything from mainstream media that would incite violence. No. Well, that that's one thing I, I mean, I think we all agree on that. I, 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 I think they go too far, but would it incite violence? Not if you're sane. Not a, yes. Well, actually they're, they're, of course, this guy was. Uh, I shouldn't make a joke. I was about to make a joke about him voting for Bernie Sanders, but this isn't a time for joking. Uh, James Hodgkinson was the, the shooter, sixty-six-year-old man from Belleville, Illinois. He died today. I'm not going to cry for him dying, but I I almost wish that he'd survived to face. 
trial uh, so that we could hear more about uh, what drove him to all this. So Yeah. Well, also, so- social media doesn't help either because there's a 24-hour news broadcast all the time, and you're constantly, constantly bombarded with uh, their agenda, I guess, is uh, what I feel that they're doing. I- I'm always jealous of my cousin Mark in Scotland who takes a, um, uh, a media holiday during Lent. <laughs> uh, so he gets 40 days where he just unplugs. Yeah, well, I- actually. I-, I-, I can't. No, I know. Otherwise, I'd be an unemployed. Yeah, I was going to comment on the gun um, uh, restrictions that they always come up with whenever there's a mass shooting. They always want to uh, curb the guns for the people that are uh, legally, you know, mm-hmm. abiding by all the rules and everything. And they don't realize that the less guns there are for the general public who are law abiding. Uh, all the crooks are going to have it, and who's going to defend uh, the law-abiding people? My, so. my word, Emily, there's a quote from Sir John A. MacDonald I have to dig up. If I can't get to it tonight, I'll get to it tomorrow, that says exactly that, and yeah. it's 120-plus years old. <laughs> Thanks well, for they, the call. Okay, no problem. Bye-bye. All right, we'll be back. Final calls, final thoughts after this. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Insurgent. Resistance is here. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. All right, we'll try and get to as many calls as we can, but we only have a couple minutes left and people calling in um, later in the show. It happens. Uh, let's go to Jamie in Canada calling in about bubble wrap kids. Jamie, go. Hey, what's going on, Brian? Um, just a quick note. It's like I've, I'm 27 years old, and uh, I've noticed when I was going through elementary school that this whole bubble wrapping and extreme hovering parenting kind of started in the 90s like oh yeah it started a while ago and uh i think now it's just getting a little a little too ridiculous like i heard about that library story it's like they're 12 year olds you know they go around their bikes in the neighborhood i see it all the time and so so there's a group of them in a library for what 20 minutes while the the teacher goes and gets the other kids what's the problem yeah like that's it. Like I don't know. I, I can I can understand. Like oh, where's the supervision? But at the same time, too, it's it's a public library. You know, it only really seems like it's like the the two parents that are complaining. They don't they don't speak for everyone else. Uh, well, I'm glad to see that. Thanks for the call, Jamie. Thank you. Let's go uh, quickly to John in Ottawa. John, where do you stand on the kids in the library? Does there, I want to know where it was. Are they talking about the libraries here in Ottawa or somewhere else? No, it's a small town outside of Corth. It's called Cordis, and okay. it's the main branch, <clears throat> and there were there was adult supervision, just not a teacher. Well, uh, in spite of there being adult supervision at one of the other libraries here in Ottawa, it's not that long ago that it was in the news. They were looking for some men that was apparently doing weird things in the aisles and children were catching him or he got caught or what. It's not unknown. And she may have well, been. I mean, but that's, that's a weird guy. It, you well, know, it's not well, the, the children. They're 12 year olds. Well, the, they, the they could experience side, that out riding their bikes, John. The, the flip side of the coin is that you and I are well aware of things like that that went on in our day. It's just promoted itself now and it's expanded, but it's still going on. And I wouldn't blame her at all for being a wise parent. She may have got the local news off of CFRA and said, I heard it on the radio and I'm not letting you be there alone. All right. All right. Thanks for the call, John. Bye. We take all sides here at Beyond the News. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. Sorry for anybody we left on the line tonight. Uh, busy night. 
Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, remember, I'm on your side.